0: Moms Unscripted is a production of Mops International. If you'd like to find a group near you, go to mops.org forward slash group search. If you'd like to start a group, go to mops.org forward slash starter group.
1: Hey friends, when we asked our guests today what they believed was the most relevant conversation we could have with you, our listeners, about marriage, they said that the most relevant topic we could dive into is loneliness in marriage. Wow. Right? This is was actually a little surprising to all of us. We thought that they might come back with infidelity or communication issues or porn or finances. But no, the single most relevant thing we could discuss in their estimation was loneliness. And so as our conversation unfolds today, we're going to see how loneliness and isolation can be the root of many other destructive behaviors, patterns, and ways of relating. And I'm so looking forward to this conversation. And my hope is that it creates some clarity where we... All might be feeling confused or forgotten in our own marriage. So let's meet our guests today. Casey and Megan Caston were perfect examples of what not to do in marriage. Three years into marriage, they found themselves having racked up more than 200,000 in debt, fighting constantly, and were ready to call it quits. Despite the 12, fa- 12 failed marriages between their parents, they knew this wasn't the legacy that they wanted for themselves or their children. And so they began reading and educating themselves on how to do marriage the right way and found hope that there was a better way than divorce and that they could love each other again. And the result of their journey is Marriage 365 where they reach more than 4 million people worldwide through books, social media, online courses, retreats, and most importantly, their membership. You guys, we're so excited to talk with you today.
2: We're so excited to be here. Thanks for having
3: us. Yeah.
1: Okay, so let's start. You guys use a term to describe a current phenomenon in marriage right now that we wanted you to unpack for our listeners. And you say that a lot of people quit and stay in their marriage. Can you talk about that, this idea of quit and stay? And also tell us what's contributing to this dynamic that's happening.
4: Yeah, so there's this sad reality in the work world where an employee doesn't feel like they're significant anymore or maybe they felt mistreated and they don't have any recourse or any available options. And so they sort of just quit their job, but they stay, they keep collecting that paycheck and they just do the bare minimum. And I think what's happening, what we're seeing in marriages right now is some of the same kind of concept where people aren't necessarily leaving their marriage, but they just quit on their marriage. So we see a lot of couples living more like roommates. Uh, we see a lot of couples that just do not participate in their marriage or try to create emotional connection. And, you know, the hardest part, I think, is w- what we're hearing from a lot of couples is they feel very lonely in their marriage. Now, I think it's one thing to be like single and lonely because you're single. But it's really weird to be in your home with surrounded by a bunch of people and still feel extremely lonely. It's really a hard reality. I think with this lockdown that we just went through, you know, we didn't really have any options to leave. There weren't like economic options. And so what we are starting to see is signs of what would be considered like a divorce pandemic, where it's almost like this now that the courts are opening up and people have options, they are starting to leave their families.
2: Yeah. And I think that when it comes to the reasons why this is happening, I think there's so many contributing factors, but I think a lot of people get really comfortable in marriage. I think Casey and I are guilty of that, right? You Mm -hmm. kind of take your partner for granted and it becomes very mundane. I mean, marriage, parenting, they're Mm -hmm. very mundane things. They sound exciting, they look exciting on the screen, but then it's a lot of just like wash, rinse, repeat every single day. And so if couples are not intentional, it's not like you wake up and go, Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure my spouse feels lonely today. That's not happening. Right. You know, it's it's actually unintentional. It's like this slowly drifting apart, which you'll hear a lot of people will say, Well, why did you get divorced? Oh, well, we just fell out of love with each other, or we just grew apart. This is this is exactly what it is. Is there was major connection when they were married, right? They were in sync, they were one, and then over time, work, kids, house responsibilities maybe a parent got sick and they had to take care of their mom or dad that was passing away, whatever that is, it's just like, if there's no plan, if there's no intentionality, they will slowly drift apart. And that disconnection, of course, becomes extreme loneliness. And if someone doesn't speak up, and if someone doesn't say anything, you almost feel so overwhelmed with I don't even know where to begin mm. and where to start.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, and we we fantasize love and romance. I mean, it's in our movies, it's in the TV shows, and you know the, the like Megan was saying. The reality is that you've got to embrace some of the mundane, like parenting, right? I mean, wash, rinse, repeat. And you know, if, if we just kind of lean on hope as a strategy, that's that's not something that's going to set us up for success. Like I just hope for a great marriage. I I hope tomorrow is better. We just don't have a game plan. Mm -hmm.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about that? The game plan? You guys have both mentioned that word plan. So like what, what is the plan? What, how do we get a plan to be intentional, um, in staying connected, reconnecting, uh, pushing back against the inertia of stress and loneliness and, and the mundane. So the first thing you're going to do is
2: communicate where you're at. It sounds kind
5: of obvious, but you'd be surprised. I
2: think a lot of comments are said underneath someone's breath or in passing, or there's no like solution to it. So I think a lot of people go into this thinking, oh my gosh, I have to speak up. I have to say that I'm lonely. And the thing is, I want to say to anyone listening, if you're feeling lonely, there's a really high chance that your spouse is feeling lonely too. Mm -hmm. So I think that can comfort you going into this conversation. And so when you go into this conversation, you can't concern yourself with actually how your spouse is going to respond.
3: Mm.
2: Because I think that's why people don't talk about it. They don't have that really difficult conversation. Oh, they're not going to care. What if I say I'm lonely and my spouse goes, yep, I am too. And I want a divorce. Or what if they laugh at me? What if they say, well, I'm not lonely. That's crazy. It's all in your head. And that fear, will give us anxiety and it will actually prevent us from having that conversation. But here's the reality. When you said your wedding vows on your on your wedding day, you committed to show up in good times and in bad times. And this is bad times. You're not doing well. You're lonely. You're not where you should be.
4: Yeah. And their their response will tell you a lot. I mean, you know, avoiders like me, (laughs) I'm going to be like, ah, yeah, let's move on to something else or let's distract ourselves with something. Um, maybe somebody doesn't know how to fix the problem. So they're embarrassed. Like if I don't know what to do, so, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they don't have an action plan.
2: And I think when you're coming to your spouse and you're communicating these things, what's the two most important words are in love, you're speaking truth, you're trying to be vulnerable you're not placing blame on your spouse. It's not their fault. It's no one's fault. It's just what it is. Mm -hmm. If you come to the conversation with, you're the issue, you're the problem, you point fingers, you want to prove that you're right and your spouse is wrong, there's going to be major defensiveness. So when you bring this up, you want uninterrupted time, put the kids in front of the TV or make sure they're asleep. And you say, Hey, you know what? I am lonely. And I miss you, and I miss us, and I miss being connected and laughing and having fun like we used to. And I would love to sit down and brainstorm ways that we could get back on track.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What do you think about that? See, it's all about your approach. Oh yeah. If, if, you, <laughs> if you make this like, yeah, you're the issue, right? There's defensiveness, but I think if you, if you talk more of, I'm lonely, I miss you, I, I wanna have fun with you again, I wanna date you again, I, I want to go on adventures with you. That sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. versus we're in a terrible place, this is awful, we're doomed, we need therapy, we need a lot of therapy. It's really about the attitude and the approach. And then I think hopefully your spouse will say, you know what, I'm feeling lonely too. They will admit it. Like Casey mentioned, their response will tell you a lot. In a yeah. in an ideal situation, your spouse would say, gosh, you know what, I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm feeling lonely too. I, or I didn't even know you were lonely. Thank you for sharing with me hey, I would love to brainstorm ways that we could get back on track. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and I think that where I want to share this, because it's really important. You see, in our marriage, when we were nearing divorce, I would have loved that response from Casey, because I came to him in love and said, I'm hurting, we're hurting, we need help. And I got, I'm not the problem, you're the problem response. Thank you, babe, for growing since then. But I had an option. I could take his response for what it was. And just continue to be lonely and grumpy. I could divorce. Um, I could nag him. I, trust me, I tried every tactic in the mm-hmm. book. But what I did was, I got better for me. I said, you know what? If he's not willing to do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on me. And we say at Marriage 365 often, if you want to make a better marriage, make a better you. Mm-hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. a really big Mm -hmm. turning point in our story is I said, you know what? If he's not on board, I'm going to get myself emotionally healthy. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to learn to communicate and set boundaries and forgive him and learn to apologize. I'm going to learn all these things. And that's what I did for over 13 months on my own. So if someone is listening and they're saying, hey, I've approached my spouse. They didn't respond the way I wanted them to respond what do I do now? There is hope. And I would mm-hmm. say the best thing you could do is to work on yourself.
0: That's so good. I think, Um, I think that's a, a hard thing to do. Right. And and those are good starting points. I think about that in my marriage, that sometimes you have to be the vulnerable person to go first and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. Starting with you, a less pointing the finger um, that recently happened in my marriage. And it, it was reciprocated the identical way he's like me too babe so that was the scariest part and so that then we can take steps to move forward and it was in this the same similar like adult parenting we're in this adult parenting situation um or season I should say so so when you feel vulnerable and and you hope that you're in a healthy enough marriage to not get the negative back what would you guys say is a you know, yes, put the kids in front of the TV, but maybe even go on a walk or just a completely change of atmosphere to say those things and to be vulnerable and not worried about what's going to come back at you. Because sometimes that's hard to be able to to say, hey, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not saying you're the reason I'm not happy. But, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little lackluster about our marriage right now.
4: Well, I I think there's There's a lot of shame around this conversation. Mm -hmm. There's this expectation like, well, we should be here, Mm -hmm. but we're really here. And that distance between those two points creates this anxiety, stress, but it's mainly shame. Like, shouldn't I know after 20 years how to love my spouse? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't I know how to communicate healthy? Um, But you know that that shame is what keeps us from actually having that conversation much sooner than we should have. What's crazy and what's what's surprising, I should say, is that when you do have that conversation, like you were you were saying, Janelle, is that your spouse typically is like, like someone has to go first. Someone has to say, "I'm struggling." Oh yeah, well, I've been feeling that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you'll see mm-hmm. that people like vulnerability almost unlocks that, that door. And I feel like, you know, even with the marriage space, um, you know, Megan and I have, you know, seen a, a lot of people talk about their marriage, uh, you know, from on stage, like, Hey guys, we're super excited to share with you successes, secrets to our success. And I think that that again, is like the shame, like, wow, we can't be like them. Right. But the, yeah. the, the irony in our story is like, the more we share about how terrible we were at marriage, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more we share about, oh my gosh, I was a terrible communicator. We fought and screamed at each other and we hated each other. The more people come out and say, thank you. Yeah. I, I felt so lonely in my shame. Like I couldn't share this with anybody, but you've unlocked that door. And now I can actually start
0: confronting my own story. Right. Because you guys were struggling. It's OK that I'm struggling, mm-hmm,
3: too. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's what we talk about at our even at the mops table to share your mom's story, your mom journey it's so that the next mom can feel comfortable to share hers. But it's that that phrase I forget. It's a famous phrase of, you know, you you be the change, the change you want to see. Mm-hmm. My, one of my recent complaints to my husband was like, really, like you're on the phone while I'm talking to you while you guys I'm texting.
3: It's just like,
0: oh, no, no, no. it's just this last text I was sending our daughter. He's like, babe, do you realize what you just asked me? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I had to start modeling that. And now, you know, the phone is nowhere to be found when we're in a deep conversation. But but being that change that we want. Mm
3: -hmm. One of the
6: things, you know, I always heard, especially before I was married, that it's like, okay, you know, if you can make it past seven years, that's Mm -hmm. that's the goal. (laughs) Just make it to seven years and then it'll be smooth sailing. And who
0: lied to you? (laughs)
6: everybody (laughs) apparently (laughs) because it was one of the realizations that I had was oh I need to stop playing marriage like our kids play dollhouse they play with these like I'm just playing this marriage role that I know nothing about that I've only seen in movies and then what my parents were an example Mm -hmm. of Mm
3: -hmm.
6: I need to start doing marriage like I need and Mm -hmm. then I think once that that switch got flipped for me that was when the help, the conversation started getting healthier. Oddly enough, I started to care about like, if she responded well, that means I must be getting better at communicating. Look at me go like, you know, I start, everything started getting healthier. But one of the thing, one of the big deterrents I felt was I'm not a very stressful person, but my wife is incre- like, she just stresses about everything. She overthinks everything. She admitted this morning, all of these things. So it's not like I'm saying behind her back or anything. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, You know, I think you mentioned a couple times that couples are under stress, and I think that's incredibly accurate. How do we deal with stress in healthy ways? I would assume that might look differently between a healthy relationship and a Mm non-healthy relationship, mm -hmm. but how do we make better choices so that we can treat our partners better?
2: Yes. I think that's such a great topic to discuss because I think the first thing you have to do is to actually just admit that you're stressed. Because if you noticed your wife was stressed and she's like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. But she's running around the house and her arms are crossed or her cheeks are flushed and she's short with her words. I mean, she's obviously stressed. It's coming out of her. And I think a lot of times we don't want to admit that we're stressed. And so just admitting it is actually kind of a stress release in itself. And to say, you know what, I'm I'm right. Like, don't make excuses. If you're stressed, own it. Um, and I think, too, that really helps you see your spouse's perspective. Like, wow, OK, so they're under stress. That's what's going on in their world right now. And rather than just like, well, you need to get not get stressed anymore, I think you can start to understand, like, where the stress is coming from, identify what is the cause of it. Sometimes there's many causes. It could be the kids were up late last night and you didn't get any sleep. It could be, you know, they're doing cuts at your job and you might you know, be fired or let go. But I think even getting to the core, admitting it is the start. I see, we see so many times when we're coaching couples and the husband or the wife are on our couch and it's just so evident non-verbally that they're stressed but they will not say they are.
3: Mm.
2: And it's like pulling teeth. (laughs) And so that's definitely the first part. Um, I think another thing that we teach couples, it's a great technique, is individually write down five things that de-stress you. So it could be taking a walk, praying, taking a bath, exercising, snuggling with your dog, <laughs> um, you know, going for a drive. Some people love like drawing or you know arts and crafts. Whatever you feel like. Wow, that really de-stresses me. You want to come up with five things. And actually write them down on a list and you and your spouse can do this separately or you could do it together and then talk over your lists and say okay so here are like five things i realized that if i do any of these i'm i will be less stressed the next time you see your spouse stressed you can say hey babe if if it was on you know his list casey's is like take a drive i'll say you know what i got the kids i got dinner why don't you go take a drive for half an hour you can actually really help in that moment when you recognize that your spouse is stressed. Or if you're self-aware enough to identify you are stressed, you can say, all right, for me, it's a bath. I love bath and a spa music and (laughs) Epsom salts and all that. I'll be like, I'm drawing myself a bath tonight. You're on kid duty. I need a break. And he's like, great. So I think what happens is when we're stressed, we don't have go-to ideas. Mm -hmm. And then the moment we're already stressed, emotional, tired.
4: Not thinking
3: straight.
2: And guess what we do? we watch tv which actually is one way we would say is not a great way to de-stress because tv is actually very stimulating. And so if you can the five things on your de-stress list try to not include screen time on there as best you can. Unless if you're maybe like a graphic designer and like our daughter is a graphic designer and loves to draw on the iPad, that could be that can work. But other than that, I think those those really help and we've seen a huge shift in our marriage when we just own it and recognize it and then help each other out in well, those moments. And I,
4: I think we're, we try to accomplish so many things. Like mm. we, we have this like sense of like, I'm just going to tackle the world today. Yeah. And what happens is we're at capacity. And so when one thing breaks down, you know, it it's truly is like a nuclear bomb going off because you have no capacity for, oh, okay. So you know, and even it's like financially, like if you're running your budget so that there's like zero dollars left over at the end of the month and something breaks, then you're over your budget, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing is like, we have to create these ideas of capacity. And I think uh, something big for Megan and I, as busy as our lives are, is we do honor the Sabbath. It's like we get to take a day off where we don't do chores, we don't do a lot of stuff.
2: We say no a lot to yeah, birthday I mean, parties, events. We're, we're both extreme extroverts, so we have a lot of <laughs> friends. We're very involved in our community. We're a very loud family. But even our kids, I mean, we're like, we are not doing anything Saturday. And we'll put it actually in the calendar. And sometimes it shifts. Sometimes it's like a half-day Friday after they get home from school and a half-day Saturday, or sometimes it's Sunday. But it really has—I will tell you—it has been so refreshing. Mm. And we notice when we honor the Sabbath and we honor a rest day, we're not as stressed. I love mm. that you just
4: call mm-hmm. our family loud family. Like <laughs> very is, loud is, we, um, During the Sabbath, do we turn it down a little bit? Is no, that but going? that's
2: just who God made us to be. It's okay.
3: We're, we're allowed to we're be loud. loud! <laughs> we're very loud.
0: <laughs> um, We—I have a dear friend. Um, I want to mention this to you guys and see what what your input is on this. A friend of mine who's been married for over 10 years, and and they are in a sexless sexless marriage um, Mm. on top of all of the other stressors in their lives as parents and working. Um, I know you guys have a ton of resources for sexless marriages. Can you give us some action steps um, for the moms that are listening on what to do, like how to how to talk about that? But it's it's hard. I mean, it it broke my heart hearing it yesterday. And it's a a real thing in their lives. They're they're about to go through this next uh, big chapter in their life, moving to a new state, meeting new friends, new community, new church, while their home life is kind of in shambles.
2: Okay. So everyone always wants to know a number, like how much should we be having sex as a couple? What's the average? What does a sexless marriage mean? Like what? So I want to identify that. Mm -hmm. Um, so on average, a married couple has sex at least one time a week. Now that doesn't mean that if you're having it less than that, you're in a sexless marriage. What matters is, is that both you and your spouse are satisfied Mm -hmm. with the quality and quantity. This is very important because we know couples who have sex once a month and they're very happily married. They kind of have a lower sex drive and that works for them. So a sexless marriage is considered if you're having sex four times or less a year. Now, I want to point this out again. Maybe you're only having sex. 10 times a year, and you know your spouse is very frustrated sexually. They Mm -hmm. wish there was more. Mm -hmm. So I don't want, I don't like to put a number, but everyone always wants to ask, like, what's the number? (laughs) Um, And so I think that's what's really key is, are my spouse and I both satisfied with the quality and the quantity of our sex life? And if the answer is no, you could possibly be and find yourself in a sexless marriage. And I will say that, you know, sexual rejection sexual disconnection is a different kind of hurt
3: yeah and i know
2: your friend is feeling right now Mm -hmm. it's one thing to be emotionally disconnected and lonely and that's i'm not saying that that doesn't hurt but it's a different kind of a sting because even if you're lonely in your marriage emotionally you can have a best friend and have emotional connection with somebody else you could be close with your kids and have emotional connection with them sex is just between a husband and a wife. So there you don't share that with anybody else mm-hmm. and that's where that sexless marriage is a very I would say talking about the shame. Oh my gosh, and the <laughs> shame cycle is even more so. It goes even deeper like not only can we get our can't get our act together in marriage, we're not even having sex. And oftentimes sex is the first thing to go when a couple is disconnected. Rarely is it the last. So that keep that in mind for anyone listening. Sex is often the first thing to go when there's the start of loneliness, because it's so vulnerable and so, um, you know, well, it's, naked and, yeah. and, and, you know, you're naked in front of each other. And if you're not feeling connected, it's really difficult to be intimate with your spouse.
4: Yeah. Sex is very, is a very powerful component and important component to a relationship. But I think you have to get to the core of why, um, you're, you're in a sexless marriage. You know, we would often say like, a lot of times it's the issues outside of the bedroom that keep us from getting it on inside the bedroom. Rarely is it technique. But we actually, one of our videos, we, we outlined 18 reasons why you would be in a sexless marriage. So once you can identify that, whether it's uh, stress, which is the number one libido killer.
2: It, stress mm-hmm. is, by the way, the number one libido mm-hmm. killer because mm-hmm. our brain is our largest sex organ. What? <laughs> yeah, people are surprised by that. All the men are like, "Wait, it's are not you Not sure? down
4: in the pants. No, <laughs> our, brain,
2: our thoughts, our brain is our largest sex organ. So imagine if you're stressed it's, and overwhelmed. Yeah. If you're
4: feeling anxiety, you're, yeah. you're not thinking about stuff. And yeah. of course, you know, if you watch the news or you're in a, uh, you know, working in a place where you don't know if you're going to be able to have a, a job next month, you know, of course that's going to be an issue. I for think. You. I
2: think also a big one is raising young kids. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, our kids are older now, but I think that season, again, is just so mundane and taxing. They need you. They need you for pretty much everything. And of course, right, you never turn your back on a toddler. And I mean, I remember our daughter got into the Sharpies one day, drew all over the walls, (laughs) had Sharpie on her mouth. And I looked at her and I said, Kylie? Did you draw? And she said, no, mama, I didn't draw with a sharpie. This is all (laughs) of her body, you know. Um, And so I think raising young kids is often reason for sexless marriage. I think leaving sex up to chance. So Mm. hoping my spouse and me will be in the mood at the same time. The stars will align. The kids won't wake up. Uh, the dog won't come scratch on our door. We'll both be feeling sexy and in the mood. That's- our
4: teenager won't be uh, interested in what we're doing. What
2: yeah. are you guys doing in the bedroom?
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, bedroom. Are the, what are those noises? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Know, so now, I mean,
4: that's why we turn off the music loud.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we're a loud family.
2: But now we're at the place right with a teenager <laughs> where she knows what we're doing because she knows what sex is. And she's like, mm. oh, my gosh, what are you guys doing? That's <laughs> so gross. Um, but I think it's really... A- to to think leaving sex up to chance is a common thing I think couples do because again if you if you got your you know um, input and you're teaching from Hollywood it's
3: mm. you
2: know it's two minutes mm-hmm. up against the wall uh, there's no cleanup scene mm-hmm. again no kids walking in the door that's so unrealistic Ooh, and, and there's that a
3: soundtrack sound
1: through the background and there's a soundtrack
2: <laughs> yeah. music playing
3: yeah but Everyone I d- I dare you do
1: not, not rip cool. my
0: favorite sweater. Do not rip my favorite shirt. <laughs> Did you just pop the yeah. buttons off my favorite shirt? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. So it's super romanticized.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a common barrier. I think another mm-hmm. one, um, these are, again, some of the the reasons we give in one of our videos and membership, but is a lack of emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for women, it's important for men to know this. I think women already know this, but if you don't, um women are much more open and willing to have sex if there's emotional intimacy. Whereas men actually prefer the sex and then they are more open and willing to the emotional intimacy. It's
3: funny how God
2: treated us that way.
3: Yeah. I was gonna
0: (laughs) say that's intentional wiring. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of
4: guys do miss the boat on sex is the the ability to interact and communicate and have those conversations, the walks around the block and talking about life. I think guys are just like, you know, they can get in their own lane and uh, they don't don't reach out for that emotional connection. Mm
1: -hmm. One thing that we hear a ton here at MOPS from women, and I'm curious if you guys hear something similar, and this might even be related to the loneliness factor, but we hear a lot of relationships where porn is an issue, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, on either side, whether it's the husband or wife, but porn has become a topic that's uncomfortable that um, they're going to, instead of their partner. Are you guys hearing that, seeing that, any Mm -hmm. thoughts, ideas, comments on that topic? Oh, yes. All the things, please.
2: Yes, and it's only gotten worse, I think, with Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Mm with more screen we mean we're all on screens mm-hmm. i mean we're doing this on a screen right this process, right? yeah right. yeah um and it's yeah it's definitely it's a
4: big can of worms right there yeah <laughs> that's a big open-ended question porn what's your thoughts <laughs> uh, i i would have to say that um you know porn has changed in the last 20 years it used to be something you know in your uncle's closet or you know uh, or whatnot. Now that we have access to screens, now that it's free, it can be accessible. It feels like it's all over the social media networks. It really has changed. So, you know, we hear a lot of people saying, well, porn's cheating. Or if, if I ever catch my husband watching porn, you know, I'm gone. That, that's, here. that's it. We're done. You're, or if you watch porn, you're a sex addict, but that's not true. Um,
2: not always the case. It can yeah. be the case. But it's often not.
4: Yeah. I mean, whether it's boredom, curiosity, loneliness, some sort of stress release, or just giving into temptation, you know, I think that we, uh, our culture even somewhat supports that in the way that we've objectified women in our music, objectified Mm -hmm. women in our shows that we watched on streaming platforms. It really has just infiltrated our World. If you are watching a show, it there's something about porn. It's joked about all the time. Even on Friends, I never even noticed it until someone said like they they joked about porn, like
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched, you know, hundreds Friends, of times sure. the, the show Friends and they joke about porn like it's just normal and common. I think some mm-hmm. we have to recognize that so many mainly boys, that's their first sexual experience yeah. as a with- mm-hmm. photography. What what do they do do with that? You know, where do you go from there? I mean, we we call it, you know, self-sex. Porn is self-sex. It's with someone you don't know on a screen and it's a quick fix. But partner sex, married sex is you got to do bills, parenting, deal with (laughs) conflict, (laughs) smells. Um, The fight you had yesterday. Oh, your mother's coming over tomorrow. I mean, that's real life. And there's so much more work. And of course, there's so much more pleasure with that. But I think that it's, we need to do a better job. At Marriage 365, our big thing is educate yourself on the impact porn has on your hormones, right? It's like a dopamine hit. It's mm. like doing drugs. And then that totally. just fuels it. And it makes you, and it's and again, it's easy. And like Casey said, you used to have to go buy a Playboy or go to an X-rated movie theater. Now it's free. It's but, so convenient.
4: When you think about the time that we live in right now, we're, we are looking for some sort of escape, you know, whether that's binge watching a show um, for some, it's, you know, an alcohol, right? We're all looking for that. Like, just, I need a little pain reliever right now. I need an escape because mm. my reality is mundane. My reality is not pretty. I'm lonely, right? So it's like we, we walk, We I, I always feel like we belly up to the bar of life and say, I need a drink. And for some, it's shopping. Yeah. For some, it's eating. Um, some,
2: it's working out. But yeah. But,
4: you know, like, the, the way I've explained it is like, you know, if, this could sound weird. If I wanted to do, like, heroin, right? Like, there's a lot of steps that, for me, as a guy living in Southern California, would have. I'd have to go find somebody. I'd figure out how to do it. I'd, you know, who, who's going to watch me when I'm high? Whereas porn is, like... Free. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's hidden. Nobody knows about it. I, it's you know, fast. I if I can get away with it and nobody knows. I, if you go to the bar of life, it's like on the bottom shelf. And so mm. I have to just have mm. to think that, you know, it is happening more and more frequently, and we really have to just confront it. Now that conversation's filled with shame in relationships, right? Because there's feelings of like, am I not enough? But porn at its essence is simply a fantasy. It is a fantasy world that we enter into. It is a fantasy of multiple images of, of whatever I wanted to explore. But at the core of it, it is just a vapor. There's no reality to it. And I think when you think about it, like Megan, I've been married for 18 years. You know, to have sex with the same person, <laughs> uh, you know, that's takes creativity. It, you know, it requires work
2: yeah right it's fun work but you know i think so so if someone's listening and they're oh their spouse or they're struggling Mm, i mean i will tell you there is so much hope out there so this is actually the only and one topic casey and i have never once had an argument about and that is because i am a female who is very open about i've actually struggled with pornography Um, and that has been a temptation for me at times. It hasn't for a long time, but I know how it feels. So I think Mm -hmm. I can definitely empathize with men because I've been in that seat where Mm. for me, my reason was boredom before we worked together. He would travel, he would Mm. go to Asia for two to three weeks, or he would go to, you know, the other side of the world. And it was, for me, it was boredom. So I think the first part is to know there's hope. The second is to identify the why, why am I watching it? Why am I tempted? Why am I giving it and giving into this? Because that, if you've learned anything from listening about us, we're always like, you got to identify the why, because you can, I can give you tips on get a porn blocker and none of that works. If you don't get to the core of Mm -hmm. what you're trying to fulfill in your life with pornography. Yeah. So, having that conversation, this is one of those conversations that you can really damage if you go into it shaming. Yeah. There's already shame. Your spouse, 99.9% chance is feeling ashamed for watching porn. So if you go to them and you've made comments and you said, <coughs> if, if I, you ever watch porn, I'm leaving you, or you know, if you do mm-hmm. porn, X, Y, Z, they're already not gonna share
3: because
2: mm-hmm. they're guilty and they're feeling ashamed. So what you wanna do is create the safe environment for them to be able to say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I wanna talk to you about this. Um, And I think that that's really the thing that we teach couples at Marriage 365 is if you can talk about everything, even the most shameful and awful topics, the most embarrassing things in life, one of them being porn, then you're succeeding in your marriage because it's not like you can say, oh, well, it's never gonna be a struggle. I mean, the world, the ads, we were doing a states test with our kid Mm -hmm. and there's like a porn ad that popped up. We're like, what in the world? Like we're doing a states
4: test. Lonely and single? Yes. In
2: Irvine? It's it's everywhere, (laughs) all over the world. And so I think it's very foolish Mm -hmm. to think that you can actually forget that it exists, which is what a lot of people try to do. They go extreme like, well, we're just gonna do all these blockers and never watch this. Well, sure, you can try, but if you're on the internet at all, it, it, chances are it's going to pop up. Yeah. So having that safe conversation to say, I want you to be able to share, it's going to be hard for me, but mm. I, I want to work together with you. I want to love you and support you. And I really know that this is the biggest issue with men right now is they feel so judged and ashamed. They're hiding it, which is then now it's not just a porn issue. Now it's a secrecy issue. Mm. Now it's I I don't trust you issue which is trust is the foundation of marriage. So create that safe place. Stay away from nagging, judging, yeah. criticizing, shaming, and and remind your spouse you love them and you're going to support them. But here's my like bonus tip here. You, if it's your husband that's watching porn, you should not be their accountability partner. Yeah. Right. I know a lot of women want to do that. Right. It's not for you to do. They need another male, mm-hmm. a brother, a pastor, a friend, in their life that can check it, check in with them. And that's really the best we've seen spouses try to play that role. It's too emotional
3: mm-hmm. because and if
2: they did struggle, you're hearing all that. And then what do you do with that information? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's hard.
5: Um, so we've talked about a lot of challenges in marriage <laughs> and I think we could probably fill uh, what a vault of hours and hours and hours of challenges in marriage. But um, talk to us a little bit about, um, you mentioned there's hope in every single one of these conversations you mentioned hope. And I think one of the things that we, we want our listeners to kind of gain from this conversation too is also some ideas for how to nurture connection because that's really ultimately the hope is nurturing connection with each other. And so give us some of your guys' best research yeah. tips, anecdotal from your own marriage. What, what helps to create that emotional connection
4: yeah, um, talking, <laughs> having conversations, connecting. This is what you did when you're dating, right? You asked all these great questions when you dated. Like, hey, so what was it like growing up? What are you, how do you really see yourself in the next 10 years? Um, what are some of your fears? What are your dreams? Like, what's your bucket list? We asked all of these great questions. These were, we call them open-ended questions, right? And we kind of, we lose that. And I think when Megan and I started thinking about building resources for couples, like I think it was very easy for us to go to that place where like we are the average couple. We struggle. How do we have conversations? Well, we need some good questions. So we wrote a book, uh, 365, Connecting Questions for Couples, because the number one way to build that emotional connection is just start asking those questions. The problem is I'm a, like, for me, I go on a date with Megan and I look at her and I'm like, uh, so how was your day?
2: We asked the same questions.
4: Yeah. How we, was your
2: day? How are the kids? How was work? What's for dinner? <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's my question. What's for dinner? Um, and so, coming up with c- creative ways to spark those conversations when you've been married for 10, 15, 20 years becomes really difficult. So that's what one of those resources that we have.
2: Um, and we have tons of blogs with questions as well. Yeah. Um, we're we're known as like the question. My mm-hmm. nickname's the question queen. Yes. But I I really think about like if you look at like God's Word, Jesus asked the most questions out of anybody yeah. in the Bible. He, crazy? Did, he modeled that. Like we need to be doing that. It gets to the heart of people. Um, but so
4: I, 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 when you ask I'm a gonna... question, though, it's it's kind of cool because behind that is. You're not talking. You're giving space for someone else. It's an act of love. Mm-hmm. You're showing desire, curiosity. Mm-hmm. curiosity. I'm curious Interest. about you. Yeah. I want to know you. And I think for sure. that that's kind of like a non-verbal way of saying, like, I love you, and I'm, I just, I want to know you. And isn't that the greatest experience of connection? Is to know and mm-hmm. be known by mm-hmm. someone. That's mm-hmm. what we long for. You know, disconnected couples are like, I, I don't feel seen, is what they hear, right? So the hope. Right. When couples lose hope, oof, you know, that's they, yeah. they really do lose their north star.
2: We've seen yeah. couples who've been separated who have started just asking open ended questions and it turns everything around. So it's a yeah. great way to start. I think another thing is to schedule and plan date nights.
3: Oh yeah. yeah. It should
2: be a non negotiable, whether it's in home or um, out of the home.
3: Yeah.
2: <clears throat> Excuse me.
4: We'll edit that one out.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That morning phlegm. keep it in. Come on, that's your life. Um, But I think date nights give us an opportunity to not only ask those open-ended questions, but to have fun, to make new memories, to connect without any interruptions. And there's three rules we have for date nights, okay? No talk about the kids. Because that's, you know, it gets very transactional. No talk about your budget or money.
4: Oh, those are fun conversations. Yeah.
2: Right?
4: <laughs> Why wouldn't And no talk,
2: about, no talk about work. Um, I think this is, you know, if you had a bad day at work and you knew you had a date night, I think it's okay to kind of give a cap after five minutes to say, I just have to vent about my boss. But then after that, it shouldn't be. So no work, no kids, no budget talks. And I think it really is about let's make new memories. Let's have fun. And, well, I,
4: and I, talking about fun, I mean, like I, if marriage was all work and no play, I... I don't know if I'd sign up for it. Like, you know, like if, if I'm a Enneagram seven, I'm like the one that's like instigating parties at my house. Like, let's turn off the music and start dancing. You know, like I I love to have fun. I'm driven by that. And I think, you know, when you hear about, oh, you know, marriage is hard work and you got to talk about the difficult conversations. You got to deal with conflict. And it's
2: always so serious. And we're always yeah. talking about this and we're always fighting. It, it, it's hard to find hope. In those situations, or or that's
0: yeah. when sex is over when you get married.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I've heard that yeah. a lot lately, for some reason. Yeah,
2: yeah. You you have you have to incorporate fun, and fun looks different for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. we have you know friends of ours. They love to read theology books and talk about it. That's <laughs> not fun for me personally, but they love it. You know, it's it doesn't have to be
4: fun it, for me. Is like riding jet skis. I know, and he's more adventurous. <laughs> playing games, and we
2: like to play games. That's our way of having fun. But I think the important thing is is to schedule it.
3: Yeah, I, I
2: get go back to the plan. You can't leave it up to chance. It's not going to happen if you have children. Yeah. It's not going to happen if you're working at a job. You have to be intentional with your time. And even if it's like last night, we played cards for twenty minutes. After the kids went to bed. Just 20 minutes. It's just that quick fun connection. And it was great. And yeah. you totally beat me. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the way, when we, we play, play rummy, when we play games, this can kind of actually spice things up again, spice things up. This is fun. We're competitive people too. Oh. Okay. We're, so we're you guys are hearing. We're loud, we're fun. Okay. So I like to win, and so does Casey. So years ago we realized we're more motivated to actually make sure we follow through with our scheduled like fun time. If there's a prize, so mm-hmm. it'll be like winner gets a back rub, winner gets to sleep in and do kid duty, winner gets to pick the sex position, Woo. winner gets to fill in the blank. And yeah. it's so
3: fun. What's and that game? Us, What's that game with you Love remove
0: it. an article of clothing strip each poker. Time. Yeah, that sounds fun.
3: Ooh. <laughs> you and Ricky doing playing strip poker?
0: Doing that tonight. <laughs> like, doing that tonight. <laughs>
1: Joe no, would no, be like, no, no. "I'm naked already."
3: Uh, <laughs> that's why what? I, I, I won't. I'm a just waiting for <laughs> That's why
0: it sounds like we just need a little light in our marriage right the, just the world is so heavy right now and and if you can't do that with your best friend who hopefully is your spouse then who can you do it with i've been married 28 years and recently i realized my husband also it's like learning what they like to talk about because i feel like i know everything about him and if i ask him a question i can probably answer it <laughs> i'm like no that's not what you told me last time this is what <laughs> (laughs) you said last time, but anyway, what I have found that I love talking to him, that he loves talking about is his Coast Guard experience, so he can chat about that forever, so I'm learning to show him love, and that that I'm interested, and that Mm. I curious and I want to learn more about him um, his food choices change a lot hey babe what's your favorite food and I'm like oh my gosh for 28 years you've said it was this now it's something different I like that because I like that he's mm-hmm. new to me and that and that where we you know there you guys mentioned this earlier in the conversation getting at 28 years you're kind of comfortable in marriage so we are super intentional about doing fun like new um, interesting things but but finding the topics they like to talk about not necessarily the topic you want to talk about um and then just letting them go at it as far as Absolutely. you know being able to connect and communicate that way can i just i want to just add one one extra thing mm-hmm. i think a lot of
4: couples stop learning yeah about yeah. relationships and growing yeah i mean if you think about our marriage relationship is one of the most significant like experiences we have on earth
3: mm-hmm.
4: and it's like we got we get married and we just kind of we jump into autopilot or we, you know, we rely on hope as a strategy and the couples that really succeed. I, I, you said it, they're very intentional Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, let's go to a marriage retreat. Let's learn, let's learn how to do relationship well. And if there's anything, if we look out at our culture today, like we are so relationally illiterate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a word, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to use it. I'm, I think we do not know how to do relationships. Well, we, we absolutely, Mm -hmm. we date the wrong way. We do marriage the wrong way. And that's Mm -hmm. why we see so many people fail in their relationships. My mom's married six times,
3: Mm.
4: you know, I'm like, maybe you should stop. Okay. But (laughs) like I asked her, she's like, I just don't know how to pick them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you are the common denominator. Like just, you do not know how to do relationships well. And I, I think that, you know, one of the things I love about being at Marriage 365, I feel like I'm like the reaping a lot of the benefits because as I'm learning, as I'm teaching, I should say, I'm also learning. Mm-hmm. I think I hear that from our, our members that are watching our videos. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, this we thought we were really well in this area, but we learned so much and we mm-hmm. learned together together. Or even just on my own, and I feel more empowered. I feel yeah. more confident in myself because I know I'm aware. I'm aware of myself. I'm aware of my spouse, and that to me is is really encouraging.
2: Yeah. I <clears throat> sorry, guys. Morning, flum over here.
4: <clears throat> we'll
0: edit that out too.
2: <laughs> I I actually want to share just really quick about what, what Casey to piggyback on what you said. I. F- have always known I've struggled with control, but never wanted to admit it. He would tell me I was controlling. I had some friends who would make comments like, okay, you're being a little controlling. Um, I, I knew that that was there, but I didn't want to admit it. And a few years ago, oh, well, actually a couple years ago, I started to just, like Casey said, I was like, you know what? I don't like this about myself. And I want to know like why I am this way and where did this come from? And I want to learn how to break this habit and I need to figure this out. And I started to work with a therapist and I started to journal, I started to pray and, and then COVID happened. And then all my control that I thought I ever Mm -hmm. had was out the window, (laughs) which really forced. it. it was the kind of the finale for me. And I will say that I love that. I spent the time on that because I will tell you, I used to be a control freak and I am now officially a recovering control freak, (laughs) not to (laughs) say that I still don't have my tendencies that you know, I still like to have control over certain things, but I, I think that there's so many of these stories where, like, why do I do that? Why do I respond that way when my spouse mm. does that? Or, oh, every time my mother-in-law calls, what, why does this happen? Or why am I like this as a mother or a father? And if we just got curious and we started doing some soul searching and that interpersonal work, that emotional health is so important. It's equally as important as your physical health mm-hmm. and they all work together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would definitely encourage just start, start doing your homework, start learning, start growing. It's so rewarding. And of course we have resources at marriage 365 that can actually walk you through those steps.
1: So awesome. It's been so incredibly helpful to talk with you guys. I want to wrap up with one last question. It's off topic of marriage, but one of our favorite things to talk about here at MOPS. And so we're curious, what is parenthood teaching you right now?
2: (laughs) <laughs> we laugh because i will tell you we really struggle with parenting we are the first to admit people say oh Marriage 365 are you guys going to teach a parenting course and we laugh and we say we are not qualified for that um i would say for me it's teaching me humility and patience every single day i feel like i have to remind myself that i am not the best mom But at the same time, I am also a mom who loves my kids and does the best she can with my circumstances. Hmm. I honestly struggle with a lot of mom guilt. I'm not sure if anyone else does. I can't (laughs) be the only one, but I work full time. I used to stay at home. I work full time. That transition was really, really hard, and I'm still working through that. But I think for me, um, it's definitely teaching me humility, patience, patience to a whole nother level of humility and patience that I've never experienced before. Mm. Mm.
4: Uh, I think for me, <laughs> if I'm going to be uh, very vulnerable, I think I'm realizing how selfish I am. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I can get easily wrapped up in my own world. Um, what does Casey need? What do I want? Um, and I forget that there's, uh, you know, two kids that, look up to me yeah that require me not just little the leftovers but they require the best of me and um yeah sometimes I'm just (laughs) I'm too selfish I'm just like I'm in my own world that's and that's what's the most important thing Mm -hmm. and um Selfishness.
2: I'm so glad you admitted that publicly, babe. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we have it on record. <laughs>
2: we're
4: That's what we're
6: about here. And
2: it, and it was recorded. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Megan's going to email me. I need that clip.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Make my
4: ringtone.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, you guys, it was so good. So Thanks so good. much. We really appreciate it.
0: Thanks you guys. Welcome.
2: It was so great to talk to all of you. And I just, we love what you're doing and we love Mop's. How old are your kids? Our daughter's 13 and our son is 10. And our son actually has autism. So we have a big heart for special needs Mm -hmm. families too. And the divorce rate goes even higher when you have a special needs kid. So we want to see that reversed and um, help as many as we can. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Matt, you must be a really great guy to work with a bunch of females. (laughs) He knows so many things. How many you guys? We've got are a here? lot of insider there, information. I
0: think there's only five, six guys on staff.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
6: and all of them are in IT, pretty much. Right. Yeah, they, meant, they, yeah. are <laughs> they are troopers. They are troopers. Matt, have you sure.
1: heard like way more than you'd ever want to know about women and motherhood and? Mm,
6: I don't know if it's any more than I would ever want to know <laughs> in terms of like. There's just like I wanted to be closed off, but. <laughs> Uh, I de- There's no surprises anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: Like, so, very super
4: aware.
3: Yeah, so
2: we just filmed, we just filmed a video with a guest who, um, is like a woman's health expert and she was a nurse for 35 years. And we talked about the truth about menopause. Mm. And we have a lot of members who are entering that phase or are in that phase. And Casey was like, I think I'm good. I'm not going to be part of that video. I'm like, okay. He's like peeking in. He's like, wait, is that really going to happen to your body?
3: <laughs> he's yeah. interested now. Yeah. Was well,
4: curious.
2: Uh, well, I, I don't podge. want to show them that. Well, <clears throat> so we have these guests that come in and we do videos and whatnot. And in this one video with this sex sexpert, she gives me this. Do you know what this is? Yes. Oh. Is it your clitoris? <laughs> yes. This is this well, is what shows. This is behind the wall. Hold it slowly.
0: Yeah. Okay. And she
2: like on camera goes, "Did you know Megan that there's 6 to 8,000 nerve endings in your clitoris?"
0: I had no I clue. didn't know there were that many, <laughs> but I I knew there were a lot. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. So, so she gave is
0: that me this a Christmas ornament. ornament. That and is hilarious. So, oh,
2: <laughs> wow. it's a Christmas ornament. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so wow. now every time people are like, you guys should start selling those because I really want one. I'm like, are you going to put it on your tree? Because it stays Ooh. in my desk. Yes. <laughs> for when I talk to a woman about anything, right. like coaching right. a woman about something. Oh,
4: yes. Matt. You oh, know, the funny. first first three three employees we had on our team were all women. And so we'd jump on a call and they'd be talking about cycles. They, mm-hmm. One of them was getting pregnant. And yeah, so she, she was talking that. about pregnancy and I'm like <laughs> yep. can, we, can we talk about the email campaign we're sending out?
6: so the, probably the hardest part isn't necessarily working with all women the hardest part is if I ever hang out with men
3: you're like, that's actually the hardest part because it's like
6: do I remember how to do this
3: Wait, and, <laughs> and let's not
6: fangirl with the men a little bit like trying to be like overly expressive or like yeah bro like don't bro out too hard when you've just been like it's because it gets contained so yeah. that's yeah. funny. Right yeah. now? Oh,
0: we, that's do we feel more connecting? I know. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, prior yeah. being around the men, you guys are. Are you ever like, you guys aren't very deep. Like, right. let's. let's
6: I get enough deep. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you want this? Really no, I'm more like sense. if
6: they start getting deep, I'm like, this is not what I'm here for, guys.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm here for the <laughs> superficial. Okay, hey, I just want to
6: set some clear expectations <laughs> about what this friendship oh, is for that's
3: us. That's funny. That's. <laughs> funny. that's there
0: you go. I wanted to ask you guys something about pornography, but one but wasn't sure if we should put it online or not. Um, are you guys finding cuz I'm reading this as well. We did another uh podcast on porn, so we've been in that space. That for for the wife, not just the locks, but are you finding that she's trying to do all the things to keep him from it?
1: Yeah. Like
2: overcompensating. Like over
0: like outfits and and in characters and, and she's overcompensating. And so she's stressed. It's not like she's enjoying it, but she's like, what can I do to keep him from, from that?
4: Can I I I say
0: like, I think that the expectations of what sex
4: should be like inside a marriage has been influenced by porn. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's, we've got a lot of questions like about anal, about
3: that, positions
4: yeah. and, and threesomes. Threesomes is yeah. common. like, oh, this is what he wants. So I, I better do that. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And so it's like they've been modeled that behavior.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
4: they think that this is how I should act mm-hmm. and behave,
3: mm. even and the, though I don't feel that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and the wife, of course, completely inside is 100% insecure right, at this of point. Course. She's like, well, I'm not going to match the the girl you saw on the screen. And is feeling so stupid, yeah. and but loves her husband, and is telling herself, "This is what I need to do to keep my marriage together. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to do to get him to stop watching mm-hmm. porn. I'm going to do it." And you or keep, keep his on, eyes, keep on his eyes on me. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the problem is, is it doesn't actually solve the issue. Not at all. Right. And
0: keep him happy. It's Somehow it's and like she's going to kill herself trying this. She's sure, actually
2: what's going to sure. happen is usually they start to become resentful
3: yeah. over time.
2: If it's not addressed, she becomes resentful. She pushes that, and then they, yeah, it, that's typically the pattern is I'm I'm going to try to be open and after the shock rubs off of mm-hmm. I want you to have a threesome or I want you to wear this costume or whatever it is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: She goes, okay, well, what, what else do I have? What other mm-hmm. choice?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then she does it, and then a, a couple months later, it usually doesn't last longer than a couple months. She begins to resent. The yeah. resentment builds.
0: The other thing I've seen is that she's changing her body.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they have the funds or if they have the time to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like breast augmentation are you talking about? Mm Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well, we live in in Orange County, which is the top... Plastic surgery of the world. Wow. I'm on natural, by the way. Yeah. Uh, as you can tell, probably I do my. Best um, but
3: it's, it's it's
2: really, really, really hard and yeah. sad. And yeah. actually, they said plastic surgeries went up with the pandemic in Orange County. Cal- um, Southern, sorry, Southern California, twenty seven percent. Wow, We're already like the highest in the nation. That's right, yeah.
0: right.
6: Make
2: like yeah. that yeah. gap a little
6: wider. Yeah, the, the healthiest. Oh, man. I say healthiest. Mm. That's not correct. But like excuse that I've seen for couples that that watch porn is well, yeah. we just need ideas.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That goes back to identifying the why. They're they're using it as um either they're curious or teaching.
3: Mm-hmm. That's
2: their te- that's their teacher. Right. Totally. And you'll hear Christian couples, oh Christian therapists recommend sometimes not a lot. Some will say you guys should watch porn together, by the way, which of mm-hmm. course we do not agree with. That's weird. Um but mm-hmm. There there will be couples that will say, Well, there's no issue because we mm-hmm. both know we're watching and we watch together and there's no secrets or shame. So in their mind, they're thinking there's no problem mm-hmm. because so this is important for you guys to know. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Gottman Institute. Mm-hmm. They've done like the most research, right? Um, and they actually just came out with a study. They, you know, it's been back and forth with, ther- with studies and research mm-hmm. on porn, which is weird because most all show that it's bad there's still a few people out there that believe it's good and the Gottmans actually came out saying it has it has more harm than good. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, that was really helpful because we already felt that and knew that. But for whatever reason, now we actually have data and research that backs it up for the people who want to argue. Sure. They're yeah. like, well, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like, no, no, actually, I- this is all the studies that have been done about it. So sure, could there be a couple of people that watch it that aren't harmed? Maybe, but the long-term effects the amount oh, it's all that factors yeah, in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I, and
4: so. i love this new trend of ethical porn <laughs> that mm-hmm. me, i'm like that wow talk about dressing up a pile of turd it's just making yeah. the person feel
1: better <laughs> yeah. i didn't know there was such a thing
2: is ethical. that like consenting ethical porn? like
6: like they like so they well, get up to the camera ahead of time and like i consent and then they yeah, yeah. Like, what is ethical what is, that look what? What it is. it's so, like
2: so a lot of the porn that's out there the girls were drugged or you know they were like it, there was a manipulation there Got or whatnot. It. This is basically saying we are both agreeing and we both enjoyed it and we both like it, mm. so it's not bad to watch. Oh, interesting. Okay, but I
0: remember that because mm. well.
2: where it is is there's a lot of like I mean you know there's child there's all these other yes. things out yeah. there. Yes, yeah, for sure. not well. yeah.
3: Not right. at so they're saying well, it, well, this is approved.
4: It feels the the. <clears throat> Sex, sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I always, I always tell the husbands of Marriage 365. I said, you know, stick around, stick around us. I'm gonna make you a one vagina kind of guy.
3: <laughs> yes,
4: said in the podcast. But I, that's <laughs> really, That's really good.
0: Um, I've, I remember that marriage counseling. It was whatever was agreed upon in the bedroom was cool. Like as long as you both agreed to know. it. And yeah, thankfully, so we both disagreed to, yeah, you better not ever slap me during marriage. <laughs> you better not ever grab on. A- <laughs> you know. And Rick's like, look, don't be going anywhere near back there, okay? Don't even, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, we had some agreed upon things. But at the we're same recording.
3: time. <laughs> uh, we actually are.
0: <laughs> but at the same yeah. time. Yeah. like
4: bonus. there, <laughs> bonus rounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: there were things that-, that we knew, like other couple friends who did agree to, you know, hey, it's not. It's not hurting either one of us. It's not done in secret. Let's do it together. Is there, I don't even know if this is real, but like, what's the book of positions? So if the, the, if the question interest. is, yeah. So if the question is, hey, we need ideas, you know, like any other self-help self help book or, or yoga positions or whatever, you do look it up, right, online. So maybe someone should make a mint in that, of, of something that's safe and approved upon and, and like yeah. the book of positions or whatever i don't know more illustrations than like live so there's
2: yeah there's two books that we would recommend and they're illustrations because obviously if you're trying to learn a position it's when they explain it and you don't have a visual it's really hard to be like wait my leg goes where
3: like what right
2: (laughs) we actually have a position a day where it sketches Which we would say that's totally Mm -hmm. fine because Mm -hmm. it's not real people. It's not pictures of people. It's a sketch of like a – the other one is the art of the the female orgasm. um, Mm. And that really does a deep dive into the clitoris. And it sketches as well. And actually the person who wrote it is the girl from Sex and the City, Kim Cattrall, with her ex-husband. Really? But it sketches. It's sketches. That's and it's good. Really building, yeah. Right? yeah. That's so, really good. Uh, so we always say, if you're going to do a book, please find one with sketches.
0: Right. Right. No pictures Not of people. Not real pictures, yeah.
2: Um, and I do, I mean, we talk about, we do talk about anal sex. We talk about that in one of our videos and mm-hmm. we say, you know, listen, if both you and your spouse love it and you're and you and you're enjoying it, go for it. But, at this, but,
0: <laughs> but know but at the,
2: the same things. Time, <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. But at the same time, you also know, need to know the long-term side effects that women will have. I didn't realize this
4: is how I was gonna get my Wednesday started. Right, but...
2: anal sex. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So I think, oh, yeah. and, and what what Hey, we, here's some strange, <laughs> let's talk about anal. You right. <laughs> know, know to be true about anal sex is that- oh Most women do not enjoy it. Like I'm yeah. talking- yeah. I had a friend pass out. She passed out <laughs> what? during what? anal sex, yes.
1: Cause yeah. I think- it, the nerve. It, her vagal nerve or whatever it is. Oh my yeah.
2: goodness.
1: Boom, straight
2: out. <laughs> and if you have to get- face. <laughs> <and, and laughs> If you have Boom. to get drunk to do it that's not a good thing.
0: Yeah, not, at all.
3: not
2: at uh, all. A lot of women. Yeah, I was like to... feeling hot in here. Yeah, <laughs> Casey, Casey,
6: I wanted to ask you a question. Um <laughs> what what how would you feel if on Christmas morning you opened up this this gorgeous present perfectly wrapped and it was like Discover the Female Orgasm or whatever book that Megan <laughs> like
0: as a Christmas present. How would you feel about that? Or a or a pe- inside penis uh Christmas ornament? <laughs> like what it looks I mean, like on the inside fair. of it. Yeah, it's seriously.
2: only fair. There's a name Bro. for it. We call them Pornaments. Oh, no. I like it. No. I like that but, a yeah. lot. How would you feel, babe? Oh, I feel like there's a million Bro, penis
1: Peter, ornaments. There is. There's a million penis things. It normally, it's like the <laughs> penis
0: and the testicles. There's penis
1: noodles. There's penis straws. There's penis and, straws. Yeah. cakes. guys,
5: <laughs> these two. I mean, I have received like a PhD in things I didn't know existed <laughs> I, I just from it. sitting where I'm sitting yeah. like three times a week. So I mean this it's, it's it can be shocking. I'm yeah. often sweating. Yeah. Like this like is like my This is a normal
0: topic broken. here at the Yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 Right. I yeah. did Mops so, Podcast. Welcome. Welcome to my world. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> joining it.
4: I'm like wow. <laughs> poor Liana. I'm hot, hot. I, I grew mean- up in a Christian conservative background so <laughs> <Right>? oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm like at retreats. I'm like Ooh, yeah. up on stage talking about sex and and saying words like clitoris and <laughs> penis. I'm like,
3: oh, I'm so <laughs> <bad>. hey.
4: <laughs> hey,
2: if you ever want us back. This up. has been really interesting because <sighs> I came from a church that was very open and we talked about sex like in our youth group. Mm-hmm. He came from an opposite where his, he wasn't allowed to even walk around at the house with his shirt off oh. as a dude. Mm-hmm. I got yeah, the
3: AC. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy.
0: Well, I, I, I will say you started like, it. Anytime, anytime you start it, we'll finish it. When mm-hmm. you pulled out that ornament, we're like, Oh, okay, now we're, we're talking.
3: In. Yeah. Here
6: we go. <laughs> Everyone's <Yeah>. comfortable. Everyone's <laughs> relaxed. That is
0: yeah. funny. Well, you'll just see Leanna. She's just it's like,
5: Dilemma, Casey, because Leanna's like, My I armpits are sweating. Right you don't My want armpits. Turn away from,
0: you know. She starts fanning her armpits.
5: Yeah, <laughs> like, Are you sweating? And I'm like, I, yeah, of course I'm sweating. I mean, hello. We're talking about But you know, I,
0: I love how Megan is sweating. just completely comfortable talking <laughs> yeah, about no it. Big Chris is having
5: a fit over there. He's tapping. He's, got, Casey's he's, gotta like, go tap. Tap. he's just gonna start
0: rocking. Good job, Megan. Come back anytime so we can talk about sex.
4: Okay, okay. Is it almost over?
0: I'm gonna ask my yeah. husband for his top list, uh, top five um, things that are de stressors and I'll report back. But I'm pretty okay, sure it's gonna yeah. sound like this: number one, sex; number two, sex; yes; number three, number three, three, boobies; boobies. number four, sex; <laughs> number five, boobies. Mm-hmm. So, I, like I mean, I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's gonna yeah.
2: be. Well, Janella, we'll get to hang out with you in San Diego. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, we'll all be there. The whole crew. We're
2: talking. will be there. Yeah, all 40? Oh, definitely. Oh, great. Cool.
4: Well, we we're talking to Kelly Joe at 12:30 yes. in in a little oh, bit cool. to talk okay. about our engagement, how we can help mamas. Um, yeah. I think that this is it's so rad. I, we, you know, the missional stance of Mops and Marriage 365 mm-hmm. are, are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And I I just I love that ability to just enter into people's world to love them where they're at and mm-hmm. really give them these tools and resources in a community. Mm-hmm. So,
0: uh, for sure. It's very for sure. smart. All right,
3: you guys Merry have a good
0: day. Merry Christmas. Bye. Yes, Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye.
1: Hey, friends. Before we say goodbye, I want to tell you about a resource we have just for you. If you need additional support in your marriage or in your mothering, consider subscribing to our quarterly magazine, a publication full of inspiration, practical information, and lots of beauty to help you experience meaningful connection in your closest relationships. Liana does an incredible job on the magazine, you guys. She spearheads this whole project, and you want to have it in your hands. So for more information on that, you can check it out at mops.org backslash magazine. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another
3: unscripted conversation around the Mops table.